Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, a very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be in your company this afternoon. It is Wednesday. It has just gone 12 minutes past two and coming to you a little bit late today. Um, but uh, nevertheless, here we are, 12 minutes past two and uh, getting started with Judaism 101.9 on this, the 17th day of Elul. In the build-up to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, 5782, Rosh Hashanah coming up very, very soon. We're going to talk a little bit today about the importance of the 17th of Elul. We're going to talk a little bit more about the importance of the 18th of Elul. And then reflecting forward into the things that you need to know that are going to be occurring coming up in the coming week. Because there is a lot happening and a lot to talk about today. So let's get Started. Let's talk about and let's think about today what is significant and what is important about today, the 17th of Elul. Well, if we go back in history, as we did last week, we went all the way back to the time that Noah and the animals and everything that he had with him were on the ark. Noah and the Teva. Noah on the ark together or in the ark together with all the family members and the animals and so on that were there for uh, the duration of the flood, of the Mabul. And here we're starting to come towards the end of it because last week we spoke about the fact that Noah opened up a window and let out a raven. And he sent the raven to do a recce, to do a reconnaissance, to check out if there was any possibility of getting back to the old normal or the new normal or the normal after the flood. And, in fact, the raven came back, of course, without having found anything. He waited one week, and that was until today. The 17th of Elul, Noach once again opened the hatch, he opened up the window, and he sent out a dove, this time a much more friendly, passive kind of a creature, much more friendly, passive kind of a bird, a kosher bird, and he sent out the dove, and the dove too came back without having found a place it says in the Torah, to put down its feet. There was no resting place. There was nowhere for it to stop. And so the dove returned. And Noach waited then another week, seven more days, until he sent out the second dove. And the second dove then did not come back. And so this is now the um, idea once again, as we said, of uh, testing the waters. And uh, we noted last week that that's probably where that famous English saying came from. Noach was testing the waters. He was looking to see if the water had subsided enough. But what we think about when we think about it in terms of our daily life and why it's important for us to know that this was the second opportunity perhaps to do a little bit of a recce. Looking back on what we have done by way of tshuva, by way of getting ready for Rosh Hashanah, and Yom Kippur, and then looking forward, which is much more the Jewish way of looking forward, and to look forward in what we can do in the days that lie ahead, and of course looking forward to our wonderful uh, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and a brand new beautiful year, and ultimately looking forward to see what we can do to help to bring about the coming of Mashiach, the Gula Shleim of Amitis that we're all waiting for. So today, important date, 17th of Elul. That is point number one. Point number two. 
is somebody that we're going to spend some more time talking about in the next segment of this show today is uh, Rabbi Shneer Zalman, Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi, the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneer Zalman, the founder of Chabad Hasidism, the first Chabad Rebbe. Well, it was the wedding day of his parents, Rabbi Boruch and Rebbe Rivka, the parents of Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi, got married on this date. And that was, in fact, in 1743. And the Alter Rebbe was born two years later in 1745. So 1743 was the marriage date, the wedding anniversary of Rabbi Boruch and Rebbe Rivka, the parents of Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi. So beautiful date for a simcha, beautiful date for a wedding, coming together and creating families and thinking about the strength and the importance of family at this important time as we build up to Rosh Hashanah as well. There was one little nasty fact that comes to mind when we think about this date, the 17th of Elul, if we go back to 1939. In fact, the 13th of, the 17th of Elul, rather, in 1979, corresponded to the, the 1st of September, the first day of September in 1979. And unfortunately, if you know anything about more current modern history, we will know that that was the date that Hitler's Nazi Wehrmacht uh, invaded Poland and effectively began World War II. It happened on the 1st of September, 17th of Elul in the year of 1939. It would prove to be, of course, we know, the most deadly conflict in all of history, claiming over 60 million people. Can you imagine staggering number, 60 million people? And, of course, the Holocaust, the uh, absolute uh, massacre, murder of six million Jews who died in the Holocaust, and of course in Hitler's Yamachshmoy in his plan of what was known as the final solution. And so all of these things happened on the 17th of Elul. We've got to remember that our sages point out that when we take a, a date and we look at a number, number 17, they will tell us stands for the word tov. If we take the numerical value of the word tov, which means good, it has a tes and a vov and a base. If we add that all up, that tes, vov, base all conspires to give us the number 17. The number 17 is the number of good. And therefore, we have to think about this as being not the negative sense um, of what happened in more recent history. But let's go back and think about all the wonderful and good things that happened on this date, 17th of Elul, in the build-up to Rosh Hashanah, um, how it is a good day. And a good day needs to be enjoyed, it needs to be thought about, and it needs to be made even better. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. And if we think about the 17th of Tammuz, which is today the uh, day of Tov, well, let's fast forward to tomorrow. Tonight and tomorrow is the 18th of Elul. Now, everybody knows that the number 18 is significant in Judaism because it stands for Chai. Chai is 18. Yud Chet Chai. There's something very important about this date of Chai Elul, about the 8th of Elul. Eighth of Elul. Excuse me, the 18th of Elul. Um, when we think about the number 18 and we think about Chai, our sages point out that, in fact, we have to do tshuva in the whole month of Elul. But we kind of step it up a little bit when we come to the last 12 days. If we think about 
12 days that correspond to the 12 months of the year, we have the opportunity to focus on each day um, and correspond it to, correlate it with a month in the year that passed. So on the 18th of Elul, we'll look back at the month of Tishrei. On the 19th of Elul, we'll look back on the month of Cheshvan. In the, um, on the 20th of Elul, we'll look back at the month of Kislev and so on, going through the year. So in other words, there is a day per month of the previous year to reflect, to absorb and understand what it was that we failed to do or that we did wrong or that we could have improved upon and to make those achlotas, to make those decisions that uh, the coming month of Tishrei will be better and the coming month of Cheshran will be better and the coming month of Kislev will be better. And we have, therefore, 12 days left of the year starting from tonight and tomorrow and that is a real significant um, idea behind the number 18 in terms of the 18th of Elul and the build-up to Rosh Hashanah. 12 days in which to think about 12 months that we reflect upon and 12 months that lie ahead that we need to make those fundamental corrections, changes and improvements to make sure that we are standing fit and ready come Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and that we can all be blessed with the beautiful and wonderful year full of brachas that we're hoping for in the coming days. But the 18th of Elul has a number of very, very significant Things that happened on this date, and perhaps we'll give them to you in chronological order. So, the 18th of Elul was the day on which the Maharal of Prague passed away. And that was in 1609. Rabbi Yehuda Lowy, who was known as the Maharal of Prague, he lived from 1525 to 1609. He was an outstanding Torah scholar, philosopher, Kabbalist, and a Jewish leader. Many remember him for having created the golem, the clay a man or a, a protector of the Jewish people in the city of Prague who uh, helped to save the Jews of Prague from the blood libels that were uh, fashionable in that torrid time. And uh, it was the Maharal, this great man who passed away on this day, 18th of Elul, that's tonight and tomorrow is the yard site, in 1609. If we go forward in history, coming towards us, it is 1698 that we're going to focus on, and that was the day of the birth of the famous Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov, was born in a small town in the Ukraine in 1698. His father, Rabbi Eliezer, was a member of something that was known as a secret society of uh, uh, hidden tzaddikim, of hidden righteous people, and he passed away when young Yisrael was only five years old. Yisrael um, wandered then around in uh, the forests and so on and became a mystic of his uh, in his own right a very very spiritual deep and profound soul did a tremendous amount of introspection and then extrospection and a lot of learning that he did together with the other hidden sadikim he became one himself and was hidden for a long long time in other words hiding away his greatness great depth of knowledge a great depth of uh, uh, physical knowledge and of spiritual knowledge and of Torah knowledge um, that he was able to absorb and unpack a brilliant, brilliant mind, a very, very profoundly deep and influential soul. And this was the day on which he was born, the 18th of Elul. It is also the day that marks the founding of the Hasidic movement now. We uh, 
as Hasidim uh, look back on this day of the 18th of Elul as being um, the birth date of the two great luminaries, one of them being the Baal Shem Tov, we'll talk about the other in a moment, and then of course um, it was also the day on which the Baal Shem Tov himself actually, when he was 36 years old, on his 36th birthday, he began to, in inverted commas, reveal himself. So he began to publicly teach his uh, um, brand of Hasidism and the incredible influence. He, uh, his father had passed away, remember, when he was five years old. But the father's, his father's last words to him when he died were, fear nothing but Hashem alone, don't be afraid of anything but God, and love every Jew with all your heart and all your soul. Those were the parting words to a five-year-old Yisrael Baal Shem Tov. Fear nothing but God alone, and love every Jew with all your heart and all your soul. Could you imagine a five-year-old deeply, deeply, profoundly deep soul and uh, great, great mind and uh, great mystic rabbi Yisrael Baal Shem Tov was empowered with that incredible, incredible teaching of his father on his deathbed. Two great things, fear nothing but God alone. Love every Jew with all your heart and all your soul. And in fact, those were the foundations upon which the Baal Shem Tov founded what is known as the Hasidic movement. So the Hasidic movement was actually born on this day, the 18th of Elul, that's tonight and tomorrow, um, going back to the 36th birthday of the Baal Shem Tov when he was 36 years old, 1734. In 1745, the first Chabad Rebbe, we referred to a little bit before, Rabbi Shneer Zaman of Liadi, was born. He was born in 1745. He lived till 1812, and he became the founder of the Chabad branch of Hasidism. Um, it, it was, in fact, the 47th birthday, therefore, of who he referred to as his spiritual grandfather, the Baal Shem Tov, and um, he, uh, Rabbi Ishniya Zalman, became a disciple not only of the Baal Shem Tov, but of course of his successor, Rabbi Dov Ber of Mizrich, and therefore he referred to the Baal Shem Tov as his spiritual grandfather. So this spiritual grandfather and grandson shared the same birthday, the 18th of Elul, and this 18th of Elul, Chai Elul, as it is known in Hasidic circles, is the day on which we celebrate then. <clears throat> the birthday of the two great luminaries, one who brought Hasidism to the world, the other who brought Chabad to the world, and, of course, the um, idea of the actual birth of those uh, events. It all synchronized, it all added up, and it all happened on the 18th of Elul, on Chai Elul, this great day and great time that we celebrate tonight and tomorrow. If we think about it, what we as Hasidim would like to understand or have everybody understand is that there is a great and beautiful view of the fact that in fact Chai Elul is the Chaius of Elul. Chaius, not to be conf con con confused with a lot of people in this country, think that Chaius is the same as Chias, um, that uh, people like to say in Afrikaans. Well, it's, there's certain similarities, but the idea of Chaius really is a life force. It's not just an enthusiasm, but an actual life force. There was a life force that was given to the month of Elul on the 18th of Elul, a brand new and beautiful impetus into the observance of Torah and mitzvahs, into the fulfillment of those incredible legacies that were given to the Baal Shem Tov by his late father, 
the idea of remembering the presence of God in everything and remembering that there is nothing to fear besides for God and remembering at the same time that we need to go out on a campaign of love, love with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our might to love not only God, but to love each and every individual. This beautiful, compassionate and wonderful, wonderful um, uh, system of um, observance of God's Torah and of all of Judaism was actually born on this great day. Now, if we think about High Elul, the 18th of Elul itself, and we think about the great man, Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi. Rabbi Shneer Zalman of Liadi was um, an incredibly, incredibly well-respected um, halachic authority. He had done a tremendous amount of learning and teaching and um, guidance in the halachic circle of Judaism. He wrote an entire Shulchan Aruch looking at everything that people need to do on a day-to-day basis. Many people refer to this great work today as the Shulchan Aruch HaRav. They give the accolade, and this, by the way, is even in non-Hasidic circles, the accolade of HaRav, the rabbi's Shulchan Aruch, um, was uh, attributed to and was the great work in the halachic sphere of Rabbi Shneer Zaman of Liadi. If we then think about his other and perhaps better known work, it is the Tanya, the book of a collection of his inspirational thoughts on the soul. What is the soul and how is the soul made up and what is the idea of a soul per se and how does the soul interact with the body and how do we interact with the world and what are the workings, the, uh, the, the machinations and the manifestations of the soul and of each and every individual in this beautiful world that God has given us to live in to purify, to fix, and to make good. The Baal Shem Tov had taught that there are sparks of Kedusha, there are sparks of holiness everywhere. And we need to move around and we need to go everywhere and be mevarer, these nitsutsos. We've got to take these sparks of holiness and we've got to elevate them and we need to purify them and we need to clarify them and we need to elevate them. This is the job that the Baal Shem Tov instilled within his Hasidim, within his followers at all times. And he not only recognized the Baal Shem Tov, of course, was so well known for recognizing the importance and the deep and profound um, impact that people could have in all walks of life that you didn't have to be. And perhaps he was in a way put down, ridiculed, uh, somewhat uh, disparaged for um, this kind of a thought because it was read as it was interpreted as a kind of a, a belittling, a lowering of the attitude of learning. And nothing could have been further from the truth, from the truth. The Baal Shem Tov, deeply, deeply learned, just didn't want to see um, three quarters of Jews and Judaism being uh, tossed out literally with or without the bathwater. Um, and the Baal Shem Tov and his campaign of Hasidism and of making everybody aware of the great contribution that each and every individual, no matter how much you know, no matter how much you uh, you are, no matter what your standing is in the community, no matter how much you own. 
um, you are a contributor and you are a giver and you have something to teach and you have a role to play and you are God's beloved children and you have all of this combined as kind of the thinking behind the Baal Shem Tov's Hasidus and Hasidic movement added to that a whole layer of deep and profound learning and instilling a um, scholastic and a kind of a mental and intellectual overlay to everything that the Baal Shem Tov taught. This was the work of the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneer Zaman of the Adi, the founder of what was known as Chabad Hasidism, of course, expounding as he did and showing the great value and importance of Chochmah, Bina, and that of wisdom, of knowledge, of understanding, of elucidation, of spelling it all out and its application. This was the work of Rabbi Shnezaman of Liadi, birthday tomorrow, same date as the Baal Shem Tov, and therefore great cause for celebration, for thinking of just how important these people are, and of course, looking towards their teachings for inspiration, not only for now, not only for the coming year, but for all time. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Now there's something quite amazing, and that is that if we take a look at an event that happened in the life of the Alter Rebbe and of course of his son, um, on, uh, he mentioned in the Hayom Yom, a great book, a diary of uh, important messages for life that was uh, compiled by the Lubavitcher Rebbe, we have uh, on this particular day, today on the 17th of Elul, there is a note that tells us that um, the Baal Shem Tov son, later became, not the Baal Shem Tov son, sorry, the Alter Rebbe's son, Rabbi Shneer Zalman's son, who later became the Chabad Rebbe, then known as the Mittler Rebbe, the Middle Rebbe, he, in fact, had heard the uh, Parsha read on this coming Shabbos of Parsha's Kisove, and he fell into such a, an illness that uh, by the time it came to Yom Kippur, his father was worried that he wouldn't be able to fast. A couple of weeks later, already he was still in a terrible state. And what happened? And what did they say to him? They asked him what caused this uh, ill health. And he said it was because he heard the Teichacha. He heard on this coming Shabbos, we're going to read what are known as the admonitions or the curses that are contained in Parshas Kisava in this coming Shabbos. He had heard them, and this had caused him such anguish that a couple of weeks later, they were worried that he wasn't going to be able to get up, that he wasn't be able to, going to be able to fast on Yom Kippur. And then when they asked him, and they said to him, but, uh, you know, you've actually heard this before. Why did it only have an effect on you this time? He said, because my father was away, and usually my father is the Valkyrie. He's the one who reads the Torah. And on this particular Shabbos, I heard it from somebody else. And for the first time, I actually heard curses. Until now, every time I've heard it from my father, I never heard curses. I only heard blessings. If we think about the profundity and the importance of that statement, it is giving us a tremendous, powerful and important insight into the attitudes of these great souls of the Baal Shem Tov, and of course then the Alter Rebbe, and of course then the Chabad Rebbe's following after them, and then some, many others, where the idea of a curse actually is non-existent. And I don't only mean a curse, that you say something nasty to somebody, but the idea of negativity. There is not a negative fiber in their being. There's not a negative thing in their souls. There's not a negative uh, piece in their entire makeup 
It is all completely good. It is filled with blessing. What a wonderful state to be able to achieve, but what a wonderful lesson for each and every one of us to take, that we too should not ever see curses. We should only see blessings. We should not ever speak curses. We should only speak brothers. We should not ever think negative. We should only think positive and great and wonderful things. And even when there are things that are negative and that do happen, it is the job of the Jew. It is our attitude and our way and a lesson for today on Judaism 101.9 that we need to turn every so-called curse into a blessing. We always have to have a positive angle. This is of paramount importance. This is something that we really, really need to try and do and we really need to try and live for and be involved with. And if we think about all of that, well, what a difference it's going to make to the last 12 days of this year and the build-up to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. And so we're in these days of build-up to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And at a time of this coming Shabbos, just before uh, Rosh Hashanah, we um, not only read the Teichacha, we read those curses, those admonitions, those warnings, but disguised as great blessings within the Parsha of the week. And there are going to be so many other shiurim, of course, on the Parsha of the week on this year radio station um, in the build-up now of until Shabbat. So we're not going to dwell there, but let's just think about things that you and I need to know on this Shabbos. It is the Shabbos that precedes the start of Slichas. We start on Saturday night saying Slichot. Now there is a uh, an important message or an important idea, certainly in Ashkenazi practice, and that is that we say Slichot for a minimum of four days before Rosh Hashanah. So if Rosh Hashanah is late in the week, we start on the Saturday night just before Rosh Hashanah. If it is early in the week, as it is this year, or in the early part of the week, let's put it that way, um, we uh, start on a week and a half before. So we have a minimum of four days of slichas. And this year, of course, we're going to have a lot more than that. Um, a very full uh, saying of slichas starting Saturday night. Many people start at midnight. Yes, there are all sorts of rules and regulations in place in our country at the moment with lockdowns and so on. Permission has been uh, granted to the chief rabbi and through the chief rabbi's work um, to enable people to actually have and say slichot, slichas, um, but one needs to know exactly which shul they are at. It is something that is important from a uh, governmental point of view that you know where you're going and you know which shul you're going to, and the permission has been granted for slichas to take place at midnight. But um, if you do not say them at midnight, say early Sunday morning. So it starts Saturday night, it starts Sunday morning, and then goes through. For the duration of the week, each weekday, Slichot, Slichas are said before we daven in the morning, before our Shachris. So it is traditional to get up really early to say Slichas and then daven. And this is for the duration of this week and then in the build-up to Rosh Hashanah in the early part of next week as well. So we want to wish you a great rest of the week, a great Shabbos up ahead, great saying of Slichas. Remember to add Chayas, add life to the last 12 days of this year. And hopefully we'll all be blessed with a Shana Tova Umetuka, a happy, healthy, and a sweet year. Look forward to being back with you same time, same place next week on another exciting, exciting and fulfilling, hopefully, installment of Judaism 101.9.